welcome to TA1. I'm your host, the tired and legendary Randy Erickson. I just got back from the Maya Mountain Adventure Challenge in Belize. I got home three hours ago, unpacked a little bit, had a short little nap. But yes, I'm tired. It takes a long time to get back from there when you live in Rapid City. As in, we left uh, Plancia at 7 a.m. yesterday. So I get to spend a lot of time in airports, but at least I don't miss connections. Um, I'm not going to go through my race, just enough to say that it was fun, a good time, great teams, um, hung out with a cool new, um, not new, media team, Scott Elmendinger, who has been there uh, several times, and um, Zach from Cocapelli, who is uh, their rep down there, and ended up, we made him drive everywhere for us, and jump off the dam with a pack raft, and I managed to uh, scam a raft out of him, so, but hey, I got some video, I paddled in Belize, in the um, tidal area where the wind wasn't blowing. So anyway, look forward to some, actually maybe even a little pack rafting adventure this year. So there's that. Uh, The only other thing that I am going to bring up is um, protests. There were a whole bunch of protests after the race Kind of a few teams went back and forth and 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 back and forth, and kind of they all missed out on the fun of the award ceremony and the um, just hanging out and having a good time, and which is fine. You should be able to protest, but um, we all came up with the idea that maybe we should have after a race a list of protests. Um, who made the protest, and just a general quick word or two why, and uh, if they were upheld or not. So maybe with a little um, transparency, teams might not, they might want to wait till a real issue comes up. I mean, I understand these are real issues for them, but um, it just seemed a little silly. So whoever's in charge of bringing up new rules for uh, ARWS. Bring that one up. Let's see what we people think about it. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get on with this. Got, got uh, Jimmy and Stevie here. They're just quiet. I'm not sure they remember me because they didn't scream when I came in. Haven't even seen the chili dog and or the um, wife person yet. So they'll be home in a few hours. Just in time for me to crash and get up and get to go to work tomorrow, which would suck, except I really like my job. So anyway, go fast, take chances. We will have a few episodes um, with people from the race. And I think there's some good stories. And um, thanks for listening. Go fast, take chances, and enjoy having a quiet bird on your shoulder. Thanks. Oh, I guess I should mention, at the risk of being hated by everybody, that uh, we recorded this at breakfast on the beach in the morning, and it was like 80 degrees, so um, deal with it. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. You can your birds in the background. Of course. It'll, it'll, nobody will even know this is a lunch So. That's cool. Oh, so I gotta pick something else. Okay. Let's see what we got here. Yeah. Maybe they could use something that's usually on flour on corn. You have corn tortillas? Is it corn tortillas? Fresh. Those are not fresh tortillas. But you have them? Yeah, but they're frozen. Okay. Let's let me just do a um, just Western omelet. Yep.
more blueberry. They have a good bit, um, fruit plate too. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, let me see if I'm still hungry after that. No, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I kind of feel bad eating something normal in a foreign country. It's like I shouldn't, you know, a Western omelet. You can get that at the. Yeah, but. And sometimes, like, I had sliced pizza for lunch yesterday. Yeah. Sometimes it hits the spot. Yeah. <laughs> but. So I'm assuming, so we're recording. Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> hey, let me in. All I have to do is, we'll get to eat because he'll just talk. <laughs> he is a talker. I, I have been in just to talk a little bit. Yeah. So. so okay. I'll listen a little bit again. So you probably should introduce yourselves. I'm Andrea Anderson. I'm Chip Dodd. And who are you? Team we are Team Disability. Um, and everybody asks us what Team Disability is. Um, both of us work in the human services field. We support people with intellectual development and disabilities. Yeah. And we created this as a company benefit to um, basically sponsor our employees to do cool things, mostly usually with a physical component and a, um, and a, and a community kind of integration, get out there and do stuff. Uh, mindset. And yeah. so, for example, if a staff person went and did a 5K, we would give them a t-shirt and, and they go do the 5K and we'll reimburse them for their entry fee. Um, we, we just asked for them to take a photo on Facebook. So we created Team Disability for a, a greater, basically for everybody to figure out what is their ability. Even though we all kind of have our little quirks, our little disabilities, we all have something. So we created the team and then all of a sudden this My Mountain thing came up and it, it became like, wow, we're actually a team. We're actually going to do something big. So Yeah, and it's close to my heart because not only do I, you know, work in the field. I have a child with Down syndrome, and uh, I watch him every day push his limits, and um, I see that he has so many abilities that most people don't see or they don't value, and uh, we all have something we can give, and it's, it's really valuable to push your own limits, and it's great to encourage others to push theirs and to see them do it. Seeing Chip push his limits during this race was um, really great. So, did did you get into the field because of your son? Um, well, was it just yeah. a happy coincidence? <laughs> uh, gosh, that's a pretty long story. But um, my my schooling was music. I have degrees in music and in music therapy as my master's. And at that time, I was interested in helping the world. I wanted to be more helpful. And um, I never actually was employed in that field. And You then, wanted to make some money eventually. Well, yeah. And at that time, I met the first people I had known with Down syndrome or with any other disability as well. I, I did an internship in a school for people um, with intellectual disabilities and then later had a child with down syndrome so i i was drawn to um help helpful endeavors in the first place and so i had a child with down syndrome i was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years um needed to get back into working and i had done a lot of volunteer work with our down syndrome association with our arc chapter in our area and just started to uh, make some connections and started working for support services of Virginia. So did that answer the question? It does, but um, did your background help raising them? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I I grew up around um, difference. Um, And it helped me accept the situation that was where I found myself. So, yeah, definitely. And so how many times did you think of him and use that to keep going during the race? You know, it's really interesting. I thought I would need to use it more. And, in fact, um, before we did the race, you know, I have two daughters as well. And um, I had listened to one of your podcasts where the gal that was being interviewed, and I wish I remember her name, I think she had a website called The Grit Factory. Maybe you'd remember who she was. Oh, but um, it's, um, I'm a more Well, yeah, I maybe know, it'll yeah, come to yeah. you, and it might come to me too, but she said your, you, your strong self needs to prepare for your weakened state. And she had people write letters 
that she could open if she needed in order to continue. So I did that. Um, my daughter, Grace, um, wrote a letter for me, and I tucked it away, and I thought, you know, I'm going to need this, surely, you know, and I'm going to need all, all that I've got, you know, to get through it, which I did physically, but in the moment, there was so much going on, I actually never needed it. I never had time for it either. It's, there was never a pause where we were really debating, should we go on or should we go, should we not? So I didn't need it, and I did think about them often, but it, it was such a surreal experience. You leave the rest of the world behind you almost. It's like they don't even, it's like a, we were just immersed in this situation where so much of it depended on using every bit of your mental stamina just to figure out what to do next. So, um, yeah, but I guess that's that. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you also knew you had it. Yes. So. I knew I had the letter, and I know my kids were really excited for me. My son is always proud of me, and um, I don't know, it's... Their support of me, I always feel it. Like, I don't have to take special pause to remember that they're supporting me and in, inspiring me. So, so why are you going to jump into expedition racing in your first long race like this? Why didn't you just find a couple of experienced racers and team up? For me, it was, um, I, I had done most of my racing solo, um, just, and I, I guess I've, I've got moderate skill in all of the different disciplines, and so it's just a lot easier than kind of hassling with a team. Um, when I first did the team, it was the national championships, and I really had to have one, so I qualified as a, somehow, weird, but I qualified as a soloist in the open division. So I cobbled together a team, and I had a, a really good experience, a lot better experience than I was expecting. Definitely there's a different dynamic to it. Um, so that gave me just the understanding of what it's like to race with a team versus solo. And then um, Andrew and I did a race called the, it was a 15-hour race the ridge done by um, Adventure Addicts. And that was our first time really racing together. And it was, um, although it was a great race, it was a phenomenal race, it was raining like hell and cold and miserable. And it was just, out of all of the races, this was not the way we thought it was going to work out. And um, I was kind of used to pushing through all of the stuff when you really don't want to be there and you're just trying to get through it. I was, the whole time I was kind of like, oh my God, Andrew's hating this, and she's you know, going to want to stop, and all that, but I just, I let her go, and I didn't, I didn't ask, I didn't tell, I didn't just let her do her thing, and she pushed through harder than I expected, so after that experience, I was like, shit, we can do whatever we want to do, and um, I think it was because we did the, um, we, we, we went and did one of Doug's races called the, um, the Blackbeard down in North Carolina, we both did it solo. Um, but after that race, Doug was talking about this race, and, and mostly, I guess what intrigued me about this was his passion about Belize and the rainforest and, and the, the Belize people and how beautiful the country is. And so we, we had never talked about an expedition race until he really was so big in his Belize thing, and then we went online and watched a few of the videos. I was like, we could do this. Well, also, as crazy it is, as it is and as little as he knew us, it meant a lot to me that he told us we could do it. <laughs> so, right. I mean, even now he says he meant it, and, and we did do it, so I guess he was right. But involving two other people in a race like this that were more experienced than us I think we were uncomfortable with only because we both know each other's, um, you know, limits. Like we, well, I don't even know if we know our own limits, but we knew where we might break down. And so we didn't want to influence to, we would, wouldn't want to say, oh, you know, our knees are kind of old and we might not make it and we don't know how we're going to do, but can we be on your team? You know, it's just kind of wanted to wanted to see how it went and um, making decisions with just two people is maybe easier than four people yeah but however our decisions you know for better or for worse you know always kind of in the back of our mind include the welfare of the other person so that's kind of tricky but I think we managed that well and um, yeah maybe it would have benefited us to have some more experience Thank you. Um, team members helping us here and there but on the other hand we really did 
pretty great. I mean, we pushed and pushed and pushed. And Chip was our navigator. And there was only, you know, a handful of times at best that, you know, we were looking at it together, trying to decide, you know, verifying what we thought the situation was. So I lended a very small hand, but (laughs) um, he did really well with that. And just that trust that we have in each other that's, you know, pretty implicit. It it just was an easy, it felt easy to go into a race like this with him and with no others. Now, the race was hard, but making the decision of doing it just us was was pretty easy to make. So, I have my hand raised. Can I play armchair psychiatrist? Yeah. So, you two have to deal with people and teams, like, always. Does that kind of does that kind of help? Yeah, multiple, do the solo thing. Um, yeah, because it, it, the my company is pretty big. Um, we're multi divisions across the state of Virginia with um, well over two hundred employees and growing. So, yeah, me as the president and CEO, it, it um, yeah, there's there's teams in each division. There's teams in each discipline. Let's say like HR, fiscal. Um, you know, the, the people who write the plans for persons with disabilities. They have all these teams sideways. There's these teams vertical, and so it's um, it's complex enough to where it's like you. It's really hard to manage that many people. You have to trust and um, you know uh, trust trust your leaders to be empowered to make decisions. I think Andrea Pine the same kind of boat, although she runs a department in her own little area. She also, I mean, she runs the whole financial office for the whole company. So every dollar that comes in and out of the company, regardless of where it comes in or out from, ultimately kind of feeds up to her to say, is it being processed correctly and accounted for? So, yeah, I guess it, um, it just, it, at work, I have to trust others. I have to delegate. I have to allow people to make mistakes. And I think um, when it comes down to pushing myself, which is a lot of why I'm in adventure racing, I love just the raw you versus everything. Um, And to say, do I have it all? Can I make, can I by myself figure it out? I can't be scared of the dark. I can't be scared of spiders. It's got to, you must overcome everything on your own. So to me, there's a little bit of intrigue to that. But I realize you shouldn't do like a four-day gods race by yourself. I mean, at some point, it's just, it's impossible to be solo. Yeah. I think that's part of um, why, you know, we usually say we prefer to race solo. And up until now, we've only done small races, so it's it's doable. And that that autonomy of it's only me, I get to make all the decisions. You know, anyone that knows me might already realize I'm a little bit of a control freak. So having that full control and freedom, you know, when you're a parent of three kids and you have a job that you need to have. I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, you might want to have some freedom from. So having those moments where it's just you to decide what to do is really awesome. Yeah. And your only decision is, am I going to die doing this or not? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we discussed that quite a bit during this race. This was a, uh, yeah, but then also your, your failure or your success is also due only to you. Yeah. Which is a good feeling in both situations. When things go bad and it's only your fault, you don't affect other people. But when things go good and it's only your fault, it's because of you too. So there's there's a lot of benefit to racing alone. It's just something like this, there is absolutely no way that I would ever do it. I don't think anyone ever would or should. And um, I was really, really thankful that Chip was my teammate because he's got so many skills that I don't, but also so many skills that other teams have in different players. Like he has But I had uh, stamina. I mean I'm not I'm not cutting myself short because yeah. I I slogged through all of it too and but he was our backbone. The, the other thing that was really, really different about this race, and I wasn't expecting, and, and, and at nationals it happened a little bit, but it, it wasn't as much because uh, that, that was only a 30-hour race. The normal solo race is like anywhere from you know, 12 to 24 hours. You're just chugging through. It's a race. It's fun. Solo is fine. Um, this race was different because it was like, I guess maybe it was just the scenery and the, the different things that you're experiencing are so amazing. 
it's like to do that by yourself and not be able to talk about it with somebody and share it I think it would be like excruciating to bottle all that up and not have somebody to experience it with and then also not just like Andrea and I experiencing it but um, you know there's a group of teams that got short course and so all of us kind of started again all in the same place and so all of a sudden we start getting to know the teams passing each other and talking here and there and over four days you actually have an hour or two with each team kind of that you're chit-chatting and you know it's you're not in such a rush like a 24 or 12 hour sprint and so we walked away from this with not only um, shared experiences within our team but within other teams but then also just it seems like just really deep relationships with people that from around the world that we wouldn't have had and so that's another for anyone that's, that's planning on doing one of these longer races prepare for that embrace it and enjoy it because I think that's the most beneficial part of this race was really the relationships that we made well and the way it was designed or altered the the team's that were short course were together but then at one point they brought us up to where the top teams were and so we interacted with you know almost the full range of teams which you know there weren't a huge amount of teams but when we headed off for that pack raft we got to be kind of up there with the big dogs <laughs> you know there's nature X and bones that we saw them of course they're a little less chatty <laughs> than yeah. the short course they've got a race to win but um just just that um, experience, even though we didn't see them that often when we did, it was like such a um, boost of energy. It's like, oh, another team. Yeah. Like, wow. It's, it's just really great. It was neat. On, on our flight over, we were on the same plane as NatureX, and we were standing in the customs line with NatureX. And so then, which is just kind of random, right? And they had lost their, their luggage and their packs, and they're stressing out. And then to fast forward a bunch of days, and we're both at the top of the pack wrap section, high five, and they're they're putting in, and we're putting in right after them. It's like how weird is that? That here we are, we got the last team that's going to come in, and the second to the top team coming in, high five and saying, "Hey, guy, you know, have a good time. Good to see you," and going on that that pack wrap section, which was really really hard. Yeah. yeah, and how often does that happen when the team that races the longest that doesn't even finish? us <laughs> and the the second place team that did the full course that were hard core we got to see them in the last leg of the race i mean they were hardcore when i saw them at the airport i thought oh my goodness what have i gotten myself into these olympic athletes are here to race against us and um you know it just so surreal so and you know even before that there was a really hard bike leg to get up to the start of the pack raft and we had to get there on time we only had a two-hour window to get up to the pack raft section at 5 a.m so at 3 a.m we take off for it oh but even backtracking from that at 3 a.m um we only had 45 minutes to get ready for it whereas we thought we would have a couple hours for some sleep maybe another hour to sort our gear and we had been dilly-dallying in this cave where there's a checkpoint in a beautiful cave so we took at least half an hour and i was telling chip i'm a little chilly i'm a little hungry we need to you know speed this up a little bit but then we get out of that to find out we've only got 45 minutes to get ready for this bike leg so it's like 2,000 feet and that was my (laughs) only moment where i really thought we're probably we shouldn't do it you know if chip hadn't been there at that time and said we need to at least try we wouldn't have done it but he said we need to at least try and that was enough for me to say you know you're right but he had to make that decision for us I sat down I closed my eyes for about 10 minutes he sorted everything out and we're off but at 3 a.m. we take off nature x takes off bones takes off there's only three of us that can that are allowed to go on because of the time cut off so of course they blaze ahead and by blaze, it probably wasn't that fast because it was straight, <laughs> straight uphill. Hike a bike for sure. But in no time, they were out of sight. So, you know, we're slogging up. And at one point, I don't know how we caught them. Or maybe they were behind us in the first place. Nature X was behind us in the first they, place. Yeah. I think so they left the, and then did something, and then they threw so they behind us. Yeah, so by the time we got on our bikes, they... 
they were ready to pass us. They, <laughs> this little bitty girl <laughs> on Nature X is the one who I thought looked like the Olympian at the airport. She whizzes by me in front of her team. She's leading her three men, and she's just so tiny and working so hard. Well, she didn't look like she was working hard. If it were me, I would have been working really hard. She whizzed by. And it just gave me that extra strength, like, okay, I can do it. And so we're kind of yeah. running. We're going as fast as they are. And we are going so, so fast down these dirt roads. I can't tell you how steep they are and how fast we were going. I wonder what our max speed was. I'd like to know. But then um, we're going down that hill, and I see maps littered on the ground. And their team had dropped their maps, and they were picking them up. And we blow by them. And we're like, Awesome. You know, the slowest team in the world is passing. The fastest team in the world. <laughs> and, and then, then they uh, Yeah. Yeah, then they quickly recovered. They picked up their maps and passed us again. And we saw them again at the top of that pack raft where they had put it on the other side of the of the water, which was really odd. We couldn't figure out how they did that. But either way, it, it didn't matter because they, they whizzed past us again and... Anyway, I, that that's was another an exciting um, section thing of I think the race. that we learned. And I kind of went into it knowing it, but I guess this, this race proved it. Um, I had the mindset of no matter what, we're not going to stop. We, we, the only time we're going to quit is when the race director says, you're done, you're not leaving the TA, sorry, it's over. Um, and and so we did that. It was like it didn't matter if it was that that thing. I'm like, I don't care if we can't make it to the top of the hill, we're going to try. And, and you know, we, I, There may not have been a cutoff, but there's some confusion. There's a lot of changes to the race as the race was going on so we were under the impression there was a cutoff at the at 5 a.m if we didn't get to that ta to pick up the tranny over from our bikes to paddle we weren't allowed to leave right so we're going up this extremely steep hill and and it, God, it was like an hour and a half of just non-stop hike a bike pushing uphill um and and we were both whooped but then it just clocks ticking clocks ticking and um I didn't think we were going to make it. We are down to like 10 or 12 minutes, and we, we had no idea how much further we had to go. So we, I put her on tow, and I was like, hold on. And I just totally blew it out. I mean, I was like, if I'm going to have a knee injury, it's going to happen right now because I'm going to go until my heart bursts. And we made it there at like 5.02, and I remember throwing the bike down and running up, like, 211 disability, checking in for the pack raft. And the guy's like, okay, time, 5.02. I was like, no, it's like 5 o'clock, I think. <laughs> it's so funny. But everyone there, of course, is calm. Yeah, and it's relaxed. only 5 a.m., and... You know, they see us coming. It's like <laughs> we're the only ones in a frenzy. Yeah, yeah a frenzy. <laughs> kind of a <laughs> funny experience. I guess the, the thing is, as we talked to other teams throughout the race, as they, they sometimes made a decision to drop out over something. And that something could have been like one bike broke down. Well, one, one team was like, wait a second. We, one, one team member actually would like to stop doing the race. So they can let the one bike go, let the one team member go, and the other three can continue on. But instead they chose, let's just all drop. Um, another team made a, um, a, a nav. They didn't make a nav error. They, they went down what looked like the way and got blocked by unpassable jungle. And, and instead of saying, well, let's just go around, they looked at it and said, we're not going to make the cutoff. Let's drop. And, and now they're regretting it because when they got to that next TA, the race director had made a decision to allow an, an option to occur. And so if they would have gotten there, they may have been able to continue the race and maybe even finish. So that's in my mindset. You never know. Don't make the assumption that, that there's something that's going to block you. Until you get blocked, you're not blocked yet. But yeah. well, we kind of learned that along the way, too, because there was a cutoff that was unexpected after the rappel. And so we did a 330-foot rappel or something. So awesome yeah, in a sinkhole. And we get there, and we're told this is where we're being short-coursed. We can't go into the cave swim because the it's too late, and um, we need to go back to the lodge. So being inexperienced, we're like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll just... You know, take our time getting back there. We considered going to a store. We considered going out to eat. We even thought, stupidly, maybe we'll just get a hotel. You know, and meanwhile, you know, we should have had the mindset the race is still going. So we, we made our way back to the lodge, and we didn't take as much time as we might have. But we still were... We're not realizing that every second of the race is on the clock. So we get to that lodge and realize we would have had a lot more sleep if we'd kind of taken a little bit more, um, you know, time to go quickly. So it was a learning curve on all of that. Thank you.
the French stove. Okay. Yeah. It's much better than Skype having breakfast over a podcast. Yep. Seriously. We even got the birds in the background. And how often do you get refried beans with breakfast? Uh, all the time in South America. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll get we'll get back to the race, but um, team team versus solo thing. Which is the most um, not satisfying, but uh, uh, and not emotional. But what's what's the best? Even if it's a bad feeling of success as a team, failure as a team. What, or what affects you the most? What affects you the most? Success or failure as a team, or success and or failure as a solo person. For me, it'd be with the team thing. I would be, and I think this is probably common with almost everybody, is you being the one that lets the team down. Like I have a knee injury, and now my team let's let's pretend a team of four is going to be unofficial because I have to drop because I'm peg legging, and we have a whatever a 15 mile hike or something. Um, at some point, you know, we're racers, and we don't want to ever quit, but you know, you, you don't want to have a permanent surgery needing injury because of finishing seventh place in a stupid race. You know, we're not paid professionals. We're not here to kill ourselves. And at 44 years old, I need to be pretty nice to my knees and listen when they tell me to stop. Um, so I think letting down my team is one reason I do solo because I'm either like very, well, from a weekend warrior standpoint, right? I'm not, I'm not talking Bones, Nature X, and Seagate, but, um, but in general, I'm very fast on most of the disciplines by myself. And I'm pretty pretty savvy on that, so um, I, I tend to have the feeling if I go if I go with a team, I'm going to be held back from a from a physical just go fast standpoint. But then I also know because it's happened, it happened to me on the 24 hour epic last year. I'm solo, everything's going good. I'm up with the top teams, just rocking, and then boom, my knee hits, and I'm peg legging, and it went from being up with the top to I'm trying to self extract because I it would freaking ruin my day to have to call and have somebody come rescue me, right? I will crawl out on my hands and knees, dragging myself, you know, before I'm going to call 911. But I peg-legged down that damn mountain of the Massanutten Ridge for seven hours. I was walking backwards because my, the way the, whatever it is, the IT band was messing up. As long as I walked backwards, it didn't hurt. So I basically walked down that mountain backwards. And, um, of course, didn't finish. I got there by like 12, but it, whatever. Um, but at least it was me. My failure was on me. I didn't hold the team back. Um, but the, the um, I guess the, the benefit of the team, I guess, is the, the overall camaraderie and working together and, and um, celebrating the, the victory, um, shared experience, all that. It's almost like two different sports, honestly. I think it's it adds that whole other aspect, that whole other dynamic. Um, yeah. I kind of agree that failing is easier on your own, but winning is much more rewarding as a team. <laughs> Um, you know, we've had this, and, and in the past, that's part of why we haven't raced together, um, particularly, well, it hasn't been long, but when Chip was able to go to nationals and he needed a team, I didn't even really consider that it should be me, because it was a dream of his to finish, and since it was his dream, and he needed someone that was more likely to be able to fulfill that and I didn't want to be the one to to hold him back but when we decided together that we could handle this um, it's been really really cool to know how um, just it's just a good thing Okay, I wasn't going to cry about this, but <laughs> here I am. Come on. It's a first, I think. Well, it's, a, it's an incredibly emotional sport. So it's like, yeah. Well, and this particularly was really important to Chip. I mean, it was important to me. Um, it was important to me to support him 
Um, but I never had this dream on my own without him. Yeah. Like, he put the seed. <laughs> and so it's been really, really important to me to do well. Um, so I don't want to say it hasn't been a dream of mine as well, but having it a shared goal and to be able to accomplish it together, um, I guess that's why I'm feeling so emotional about it because it's a deeper feeling than it might have been if it weren't um, my partner that's doing it with me. I mean, this is the person I share a lot of my life with, you know, this is my best friend, and we make a lot of life decisions together, not just race decisions. So, um, you know, that, that makes it a different dynamic. So, uh, well, it is. It's, it's, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's, you're all in, but you're double all in because he's, tri- he's triple all in. <laughs> well, and he carried me through a lot of it, you know, not... And even sometimes literally, you know, he to- he had me on toe some of the time, maybe only 10% of the time, but that 10% of the time I really needed it, and he was carrying me. So when someone, like, bends over backward to make sure you can get through something, you want to give your all to make sure you're doing as much as you can. So it's, it's intense. I mean, it, from an outsider's perspective, you probably think it's a little bit crazy how we're describing this, but it's in the moment it's very intense and and not emotional in the moment like I'm emotional now I think because it's over like in the moment I think we both were realizing we're compartmentalizing who we are and what we're feeling in order to do our best and so now after the race in reflection it's really where I'm thinking wow we just went through something extremely emotional and I think I feel like I need to get that out a little bit (laughs) one other interesting thing about the, the team, I forgot to mention it earlier, um, and it may have came up on one of your podcasts, but you, know, you hear a lot of times in, in sports, in team sports, they always say a, a team can only go as fast as its slowest member, you know, you're, you're only as fast as your weakest member, or whatever. In adventure racing, it maybe is different in, in other teams, um, but in adventure racing, because you can do things like carry someone's weight, tow them on a bike, tow them uh, hiking, um, uh, give them emotional support, whatever it is. It's, it's a, a team. Back. Can- Say hi to the podcast. Hey, podcast. <laughs> Zach with Coca Pelli here. The most badass team. <laughs> Easily the most hilarious. Yep. Legendary Randy, of course. Crushing it. Guys, tonight. Thanks, Zach. Thanks you. for supporting Adventure. Oh, definitely. What you've seen hasn't been support so far. We're going to be delving a lot deeper into it. Cool. I look forward to getting in one of your rafts and, and traveling the world. I'm excited to get you guys' feedback on it. I will. And we're looking forward to seeing you racing. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's going to be how I die, but... <laughs> That's all of us. Hopefully. Randy, thank you so much, man. Cool. Great thing. Yeah. Um, hope all that's doing all right. Yep. And uh, I'll come up to the Black Hills and visit you guys. Do that. Sounds good. Have a Talk great day. Um, I need to come close out with you. Alright, so where were we when I saw Randy interrupted us? So, um, <laughs> what I was saying is the, um, Instead oh. of the, the traditional, a team's only as fast as the weakest member in adventure racing, the, the mindset we should have is your team's only as fast as you can get your slowest member to go. And it doesn't matter what they need. It, it may be a break, it may be food, it may be a tow, it may be emotional support. But if, if, if you as a team captain or, or as a team member recognize that somebody is having trouble and they are, for whatever reason, not going at the pace that you would like... It's a it's a really interesting thing to try to you're not only sorting out nav problems and everything, but you're also sorting out how can I get this person motivated, capable, willing to go in in the correct direction, even at a moderate pace, whatever it is. And I, that first hit me at nationals. I, I at the time when I when I agreed to do national or whatever, I accepted the invitation to nationals. Um, I knew this was going to be the hardest thing I'd ever done. Like, I'd never, I'd never done a team. I'd never done a 30-hour race. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I knew I was up against some of the top teams. Not that I was worried about who I was up against. It was mostly up, up against myself and my personal limitations. But um, what I realized halfway through the race, I had trained really, really hard, and, and so I was 
pretty fast on the mountain bike, and, and um, my other team members, they had, they had trained hard, but not as hard on the mountain bike, and so um, I think we got off that mountain bike leg, and I realized, like, they need a break. Like, they are going to mutiny my ass and kick me off this team, and they're going to quit if I keep pushing them this hard. And so we, we sat at a gas station, and we all relaxed for, like, 30 minutes and ate all the gas station food, which was total crap. And we all just got reinvigorated. It was like, okay, we can do this. And, and turned around and went right up this huge hill. And, and I think that that's what, um, that's what I think by, by that having that experience helped me and, and Andrea both get through this because we both could kind of look at each other and say, let's take five. Let, let's sit down, take a break, get something to eat, think through this, get clear-minded. Because um, quitting, in my mind, quitting wasn't an option. But on the other hand, enjoying it and moving forward at a reasonable pace was important to both of us. It just reminds me, too, of something I just have to share. You know, I have never been too proud to be on tow on bike because I'm, I'm just not as big or strong as, as whatever. Um, I'm the slowest, slowest member of our team. But we were on one of the later bike legs, and... Uh, one of the French teams, again the French, it wasn't the same French team, it wasn't NatureX, but um, <laughs> we were having a hard time because this full, full sun, and the sun had just come up, um, it was a long dirt road, and we were going, you know, how far at a time, maybe 500 meters at a time till we would see the next shade, and we'd stop for just a second in the shade. And then we'd go again to the next shade. And one of the times where we stopped in the shade, we see this French team coming. And in front, again, is the woman. The woman of the team, and this one is a, um, has blonde dreads, enormous thighs. Just, she was a machine coming down that road. And she had her three male teammates behind her. And the front male was not only towing the male behind him, but he was towing the male behind him. So there was this train of men tied together, and this woman in front, like... Setting the pace. Setting the pace easily ten times faster than we were going. And I thought, wow, well, if they need to be towed, it's okay for me to <laughs> take a tow. But I think even at that time, um, we were not on tow. It had become a little bit too difficult we were just too tired, and Chip was overheating, and, you know, there's a time in which you got to carry your own weight, whether you want to or not, you know, because your teammates can't always be... Well, I guess what I'm saying is that the weak link changes <laughs> between who it is at the yeah. time. Nobody's the strongest the whole race. Right. I thought it was really interesting, and you may have thought the same thing. It's like, traditionally, not that it's an okay stereotype, but um, traditionally you think of... You know, the, the, regardless of male or female, the weak, weaker person being on tow, but to see two different French teams, two different good top French teams, and the woman's way in front, set in the face, like smoking the dudes on the mountain bike. They're, they sounded like they were back there huffing and puffing. Um, especially on Nature X, my God, she would shoot up the mountain and scout the course with a with a hand torch, and then by the time the guys are huffing and puffing top of the hill, she's already got sorted out which way to go, and then she shoots up to the next section. I mean, it was just really really cool seeing the the, the female that you know, unfortunately, stereotype for us like the females that the non not the strongest part of the team. In both of those situations that we saw, the female is the one leading, setting the pace. The dudes are back there trying to get their stuff sorted. And again, this is all from looking from the outside. I'm not sure you know, what the dynamic is going on. I was just so, so impressed. I mean, they, these were these were true world-class athletes. Although, when you start to look around, that's not that unusual that the woman is way, way strong and pushing. Even if, even, well, they're probably physically not strong. I mean, it's just facts light, right? Most, most women aren't as strong as a lot of men. Or big at but the same time. But they have that stupid drive that they have in their head that <laughs> forces them to be better than we are. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, a lot of times they're the pushers. Yeah. They're the ones that... that I feel Chip mentally revolting from that comment. <laughs> he's he's also the pusher. <laughs> well, on the other hand, though, but that's just it, in it, our experience yeah. right now. And there might be some times where I'm a little stronger headed, but not many. <laughs> I could see that being 
more the more the normal. But he's also way more experienced. Yeah, and that's where you, you, yeah. you don't give yourself enough credit because I've I've been doing this adventuring stuff ever since I was a kid running around doing the same stuff when I was ten years old. You, you just got into rafting, you just got into mountain biking, running across rocks in a rapid is not your thing. So the the mental hardship that I was overcoming was minimal because this is the stuff I've always been doing. Meanwhile, you're doing stuff you've never done before. You're holding it together. It's hard. It's scary. It's new, and, and you pushed through it. So I would say you you performed better than I did because you were outside of your comfort zone, and I was in it. Well, this does need to be said. I am not an athletic person. I did not grow up being athletic. I didn't have a bike for ten or fifteen years of my life. Then I got a bike without gears, a beach cruiser. Then I got a bike with gears, and around forty. I decided, oh, maybe I can be athletic. And I do like the outdoors. So around 40, way too late in life, (laughs) I realized that this is something that I absolutely love and I feel like I'm becoming my true self at 40 years old. How can that be? So now I'm 45. I've done this race at 45. I've got four years, four or five years experience biking and being adventurous. And this race was such a learning curve, um, particularly in the discipline of getting your bike across a river. So I also should say I didn't know how to swim until I was... 43. Uh, It's the same year I got scuba certified. So now I know how to swim, but am I comfortable in a rapid carrying my bike through it? Deep rapid, too. No, and there's slippery rocks. And so the first one, I'm really, really scared. I think I might have even broke down just for a half a second. Like I know Chip saw like she's, you know, she's going to cry or maybe she did cry. I, I never took a pause for minutes at a time to stop and cry. But I was definitely at my limit to where this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Which I thought I'd already done the hardest thing I'd ever done. So I'm doing earlier. <laughs> and so we do it once, we do it twice, we do it a little deeper, we do it a little shallower, we do it a little longer, and all of a sudden, oh, and once again, I see other women doing this without any pause. Just the bravest women I've known, and even the other two-person team, um, relentless. They, I'm watching that little girl go across the river with no. No break in confidence. And I'm like, okay, they can do it, I can do it. I've already done it a few times. i got to get over this. So I did, and I started getting much, much better at the river crossings. And now, going into another race somewhere else, I'll be like, yeah, I got this. Maybe some other, you know, old lady like myself will be looking at me like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. You know, I've always felt that way about myself in general. I, I'm... Honestly, if I can do it, anyone out there can do it. I've gotten some experience, and I build on it all the time, but I'm not a super athlete, but I did this, and now I can at least claim the fact that I'm an adventure racer. Like, I really am. <laughs> How yeah. crazy is that? Maybe four days. This one, this one counts. Yeah. This one counts. When the top teams say this was a really hard race, it was a lot longer and more difficult than we were expecting. Well, we actually, like, we didn't finish, but we did most say. of it. If we actually yeah. finished on time, then I might feel like I could claim it a little bit more. But, but. okay. <laughs> Personally, but what you didn't do was easy. I mean, literally just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you had to get down a few rapids, and then you had to paddle across the lake and paddle down a river. It's like, I could do that. Yeah, we, we did. So. That's, that's where we got hung up, and that's, I, I guess, for, the, for anybody that's watching the dots, um, I probably should explain what really happened. Um, neither of us, we actually bought a pack raft for this race. Like, we, we have zero pack rafting experience on we, a rapid. We thought we did. Yeah. Two times on a lake. Yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we trained on the lake primarily just inflating, deflating. How do we sort gear? How do we paddle? How do we get into synchronization? Because on a, we were using a two person new um, alpaca raft. 
before we got our Capelli wrapped. <laughs> but, uh, so we were using that, and so we, we got used to that. But when it comes down to rapids, especially rapids that are that are you know class three and four, five that are basically unpassable, um, primarily due to the, the water level. But also, this was not a rafting rapid. This was the, the challenge, and we didn't know this when we went into it. The, the, the challenge, I guess, of this pack raft section was um, was you, you put the raft in to get to the next portage, and then the next portage, and then you raft to the next portage. You, you, you're floating down river, um, and then after all of that, you get to the dam, and now it's just an easy paddle. What we didn't, so we were, went into this because we're inexperienced, thinking we're supposed to be rafting this thing. And I was thinking it would be class one, class two, not a problem. We didn't realize it was actually dangerous, portaging, crossing currents, trying not to get swept down river. Um, so we're, you know, we're carrying a, a pack raft and paddles and, and two AS3s that are loaded down and soaking wet, which are super heavy. Um, you know, when, you, when you're coming out of floating in that pack. So it just, it, we were both way outside of our comfort zone. It was dangerous. I mean, literally, if you get swept down the rapid, you could get wrecked on the rock. So it, that was where we were like, if we get this wrong, we're dying. And, it, and that, that, for us as the team, we were thinking, we got this. We're going to finish. We're going to be one of the only three teams, Bones, Naturex, and us. We were the only ones cross that finish line and have done the pack raft section. We went from that mindset over to, we've got to survive this. Because, again, I'm not willing to call 911, nor is there 911 here. Yeah, there was no way to get extracted. Yeah. So. No self-service, no nothing. It's, we must get through this without killing ourselves. I mean, you should see our legs bruised all up. I mean, it, it was a really rough section, primarily because of our inexperience. But, um, but it, it, it And was our scary. fatigue. I mean, we were tired. We were at So it, it hours did become, right at that point, it wasn't a race anymore. It was survival. And yep. not to be dramatic about that, but we just were cognizant of needing to be careful. So that's why it took us so long, because we were very careful. One, one time in particular, there was a section where we needed to get to another outcropping of rocks, and we were kind of on the wrong side of the river. And we just took a long time to assess what to do. You know, and we made sure we were ready to do it when we decided what to do. So that takes a long time in real life, and it did turn into real life at that point. You know, (laughs) in real life, you got to take time to decide what you can and can't do, and particularly being tired. And man, those backpacks are so heavy when they're downloaded with water. Yeah, we should have we should have figured out how to take them off and float them or well I don't know you go back so many things we've already said we should do this we should do that and you know we're trying to remember all the things we'd like to do differently in, in the future and we want to do something in the future which is also shocking yeah, yeah. you know we want to do this really again. I don't think so I mean it's, you've heard me say you either do it and you hooked or you, you you've walked away already. And if you haven't walked away at the end of the race, then you're no. Back. I'm hooked. I, I think she is too. I think that this this felt like adventure racing, being fully immersed for four days. That you you truly feel the adventure race experience. And you're right. If, if if you didn't like it, then you should walk because it's not for you, and you're going to get hurt. Um, but if you love it, it's now it gives you more drive to train and put yourself in awkward situations and figure your way out. But going back to what she was saying, yeah. the pack raft section that that. Um, for me, mentally, it did go from a race over to survival because I knew she was very uncomfortable. Because the pack, I mean, we both had AS3s and they had all mandatory. Once it was loaded down, she was having a lot more trouble on the, on the slippery rocks. And I'm, I'm literally trying to carry the raft and the paddles and my pack. And, and so I was also, I, I knew if I do something wrong and I get hurt, we're both really, really screwed. So for me, that was like ultra focus, ultra alert. We've got to get through this. But that one section she's talking about is the first time I got cornered where I was looking around going, none of my options are even close to safe. If, if, if we do what I'm thinking I'm going to do, my chances of getting hurt are high. And, and now it's going through your head going, shit, I'm in the jungle. This is bad. I'm worried about her. I'm worried about me. And then she comes up with the idea, like, I think we can make it through that and get to the middle and then from there. And I was like... I'm so glad you said that because I, I was up against really bad versus terrible. Which one do I pick? And um, so she got us through that section. And me mentally, it, it, it helped a lot. But then the next thing, and I, we didn't really talk about it too much, but the sun was going down. You know, we, we by the time we got out of that that really rugged pack wrap section, we, we clicked the CP at 5 p.m. But around the corner, we didn't know kind of where we were when that when that when that CP was going to get there. We I don't know about you, but we, I was fully aware we might be spending the night out here. This and I was already cold. 
Yeah, you're already cold. Sun's still up. But we were like, well, this is real. We might be spending the night until they come get us. And so we come around. The, we, we, we're through the big hard section. We're coming up to the falls. And one of the little Balinsta beat defense force guys' head pops up out of the woods. And we're like, yes, we made it. Yes. You know? And that was our finish. Punching <laughs> yeah. that CP. And I mean, it was like we knew we weren't going to finish the race. But we were paddling up to that CP. And Andrea jumps out of the boat and runs up and punches it before 5 p.m. Because we had to have that. We earned that damn CP. But at the same um, time, since it had already switched over a little bit to survival, we were just relieved. I mean, it didn't matter that we didn't finish the race at all. We were just relieved that we actually got to someplace safe. You we're know? not going to be in the jungle today. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that I was, I could have gone for two more days. I, I, I was having the time of my life. Yeah. But it, it, it sucks to not finish. I, we really wanted to finish the race. We're on track to finish the race. And so it, 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 I had to, it took a few minutes mentally to say, crap. And if you look at our dot, we were trying to find, trying, doing everything we could to find a way around that pack raft section because I knew it was just going to be really dangerous. We finally committed to doing it really early in. I knew there's no way we're finishing the race, but we're going to get through. We're going to keep going until we have to stop. And so punching that CP at 5 p.m. was like, I'm allowed to stop now. Yeah. Race is over. No use in going further. I, 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 so mentally, I could, I could allow myself to stop. And that, for me, it, it was closure. So have you, since, since we left San Ignacio, you've been online looking for races? <laughs> yes. Um, actually, yeah. Um, Forming up more teams. And yeah. It, um, Michelle from Adventure Addicts uh, was looking for, a, I think, a third person to do Expedition Oregon, and um, Sam Prestige, is, I think they're, they're aiming for um, Untamed New England, and so I, I told them both, you know, let me, let me get through this police thing and see how do I hold up after four days. Um, Andrea also has two, two, two teams have asked her now to write when it two. No, not two different teams. But um, we got to know um, JJ, I'm not going to pronounce his right name right. JJ Junior. Or as I say, JJ Abrams, because it's a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> Well, JJ was on the local Belize team with three um, three Belize, Derek and I don't remember they were, but Derek and JJ came with us over here to Placencia, and um, they are both going to be racing in the Shenandoah Epic. Um, well, JJ is, and then Derek is going to be coming to the states for the Shenandoah Tough. They don't have a female right now, and Chip is not available for those two races. So we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if I'm available yet either. So just, just your mind well, you know starts. The, you know the boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true. Have the time off. I go. Uh, I don't know. Real life is going to come back in and play a factor, you know. So you, we, who can do this all the time? I mean, it feels like such a luxury. I was kind of. Um, sometimes it hits me how grateful I am that. We're here. We have the means to do this, and very few people in the world have that. I mean, it's such a luxury. I feel, I feel grateful, you know, to my kid's dad, Stephen. Uh, he, do, I don't have to worry about my children when I'm not with him. He does a great job doing the other half of the parenting that I'm not doing right now. So that is an enormous luxury. I can't thank him enough. Um, of course, I can't thank Chip enough because he, you know, he's a lot of the means how we get here. He knows the gear, the stuff, everything we've already said. Um, but just the fact that I have this luxury, it shouldn't be taken for granted. So whether I have time or not to join other races, I almost don't even want to think about it right now because I just want this feeling to stay. Because um, these types of things, the feelings you have in this moment, they're fleeting. You know, you can look back on them and remember that you had them, but to really keep them in your heart is um, it's hard. So we'll see. I'd have to do the same thing she didn't give a give a shout to my company at S the team at SSVA if, if they weren't as strong as they are there's no way I could come out here and, and go completely dark on the cell phone for four days and no four of back they've got it they, they'll, they'll keep that company running even if I got injured and needed to stay an extra week or whatever we've got a really strong team there they're, they're a good culture they're dedicated and they, they bust their ass um, and I, I kid around and say I, I keep the stadium open so they can play their game 
um, a lot of entrepreneurs get into the, um, the they're on the treadmill they're the one doing the sales or they're doing the production and so when they leave business stops you know, um, so it's like a dental office where the dentist owns the office um, I'm in an organization called Entrepreneurs Organization which um, when I joined I guess it was in 2012 um, you know I, I was, at the time the company's pretty big I mean we were under 200 employees but, but pretty big and um, I really had no peers nobody to really teach me how to be a CEO so I just used common sense and street smarts and YouTube and read books and stuff and, and I was doing okay but I was really on the treadmill but I joined the organization and um, you know they do learning events and things like that that taught me to be an entrepreneur to basically work on the company not in it and then I ended up joining the board and, and becoming president and this is my second term as president of our local chapter um, it's also a, a worldwide organization so I've met a lot of entrepreneurs around the world that we work together to help each other run a better company and so I, I kind of have to give it to my, my company and their team there but I also have to give it to entrepreneurs organization that taught me the skills as a CEO of a medium large um, small business medium large size small <laughs> business that's hilarious um, I, I would call it medium sized business from a normal entrepreneur standpoint a lot, a lot of businesses are under a million in gross revenue and we're past 10 million gross revenue so we're, we're, we're big compared to most small businesses um, but they taught me the skill needed to build a team and the systems and processes and technology so that I can leave and, and it work out. So, um, so I'm, I feel very grateful. You know, I don't have kids to, with, with a mom to watch over anything like that, but I, I, I do have a, a great family watching over the company that, that's, um, that's keeping a lot of people employed and making a difference in people's lives with disabilities. Cool. That's a that's a good place. We're done with breakfast. Most of us. There's a beach out there and the sun's out and we don't need to talk anymore. So. Okay. It's great. Thanks a thanks. lot, Randy. Yeah. You're welcome. And Randy, great. thanks for doing the podcast. I mean, our stories need to get out, and, and we want more people racing, especially people that are um, that are new to the sport. And so that's why Andrew and I really wanted to get together with you and, and do an interview to let people know that you can be a weekend warrior and 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 do something like a four day expedition race. You don't have to be an elite um, elite racer, from world world class. Um, it's a great sport. It's a great experience, and I would highly recommend anybody to give it a shot and give it a try. young I never needed anyone and making love was just for fun those days are gone living alone I think of all the friends I've known But when I dial the telephone Nobody's home
when I was young, I never needed anyone, and making love was just for fun. Those days are gone. Thank you very much. Great audience. You know what? I think I'm going to put them back to work, Eric. I think it's a good idea. You think it's a good idea? Yes. Okay, you ready to do some more singing? It's another one of those songs you know and love. I've said it before, if you don't know this song, you're at the wrong place. It's a very simple song with a very loving message. And it's called, With a Little Help from My Friends. <laughs> <laughs> 